Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Governor Cuomo sexually harassed multiple women. Politics is an ugly business. And these accusations of politics, disgraceful. He will step down. We need to keep the masks up. Require vaccination for workers and customers in indoor dining, in indoor fitness facilities, indoor entertainment facilities. Pandemic of the unvaccinated. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. Tom and Benny Clark and you and uh, lots to talk about. Uh, you know, there's constantly... Boy, that music just dropped out like it, <laughs> it fell off the cliff. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're constantly talking about the, the bad news because there's so much of it. So I want to start out today with some good news. And believe it or not, it comes out of the Olympics. And I know the Olympics have been a real disappointment. And unfortunately, oftentimes, the Colin Kaepernicks of the athletic world make the headlines. But there are a couple of folks that have won the gold that make you proud that they're representing the United States of America. One is Sydney McLaughlin. She uh, was uh, won the gold in track. What was the event she was in? Um, the 400 meter. 400, yeah, 400 meter. But uh, there's another young lady who won the gold in wrestling. And they've only had wrestling as a female Olympic sport for a couple of decades now. Jason Whitlock wrote about her. He said, it's obvious Olympic wrestler Tamira Minshaw Stock has a relationship with the father and her father. He said, I spent most of last night and this morning trying to figure out what's so different about Tamira Minshaw Stock. She's the 28-year-old black woman who won an Olympic gold medal in wrestling Tuesday, then celebrated it like it was 1999. Two decades ago, it was commonplace for black American Olympians to wrap themselves up in the flag and celebrate their homeland. Now, we don't know what to expect. There's an expectation of some sort of anti-American protest. American shot putter Raven Saunders won the silver and crossed her arms in an X above her head. She said she did it for oppressed people across the world. Saunders said that she and other athletes have been plotting ways to protest for two weeks over a group chat. I don't think Tamara was on that group string. She's different. After winning her gold medal... She was overcome with joy. She honored God and celebrated her country. It's by the grace of God I'm able to even move my feet, she gushed. I just leave it in his hands and pray that all the practice, the hell my coaches put me through, paid off. It does every time. A written description does not do it justice. Her joy jumps through the television screen, Jason Whitlock writes. You can feel her emotion and energy. Her authenticity exposes the robotic fraud of the protesters who plot their actions for weeks. What makes Minshaw uh, stock different from Colin Kaepernick, LeBron James, and so many other protesters? It starts with her relationship with her father, both of them, the one above and the one in the ground. Minshaw stock enthusiastically professes a relationship with God, she has not chosen the secular path of her peers. Her dad was her biggest fan. He died in a car accident driving home from one of her high school wrestling meets. She broke down when a reporter asked her what her father would think 
of her gold medal performance, Minshaw Stock's dad immigrated to America from Ghana. He came here to chase the American dream. He bought into this country and was rewarded for doing so. His children adopted his American spirit and values. Um, this is a long piece, but I, I want to celebrate this. That This is a feel-good piece. This is their interview right after she won the gold. They came up and do an interview after she won the, the final match. She hadn't received—no, I guess she had received her, her medal at this point. So this was the post-medal presentation. Uh, she did this interview and uh, cut to Clark— and it, it's just, it's a feel-good interview. It's a, it's about four minutes, but it's worth the listening. Here it is. Hi, Tamara. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. How are you feeling? I'm feeling very happy, and I keep trying not to cry, but it keeps happening. And I just want to go into a dark room and just cry. Uh, <laughs> I'm crying from joy. I was going to say tears of joy. Let me ask you this. You started wrestling in the 10th grade. You are now an Olympic gold medalist. Describe the ride. Uh, why? Because I knew I could do it. When I first started wrestling, I felt that I could be an Olympic champ. So I kept going. I did it. Damn right you did. <laughs> Tamara, I know you lost your father in high school. How do you think he would be responding right now? Seeing you on top of the podium here, coming up. <laughs> he would have been the loudest one here. He would be so proud. He would be so happy. <laughs> He's from Ghana too. He don't say this out loud, but like he he like he was like enemies of Nigeria. So <laughs> it's kind of like poetic that I had to wrestle Nigeria in the finals. He's from Ghana, so. That was kind of cool. <laughs> for women, wrestling has only been an Olympic sport for all, not even two decades. <laughs> you are the second American yeah! woman to win gold. What does this mean for the popularity of the sport and for all the young girls out there that are going to see you and feel inspiration? It means that they see someone like themselves on that podium, someone like Helen on that podium, showing them just because you're a female, it doesn't mean you can't accomplish the biggest of goals and the being an Olympic champ is one of the hardest things I have ever done in my entire life and I can say it's well worth it and I can't wait to be at home with my husband and my dogs to celebrate with them. Tamara, can you tell me, man, I know your family always comes out there for Olympic trials for all of your matches. Yes. To not have your husband and your family members here today, how difficult was that? It was extremely difficult, but right now, my mom, my aunt, my twin sister, my little sister, my grandma, they, and my little cousins, they are all in Florida right now <laughs> watching at 6 a.m., <laughs> cheering me on. My husband woke up really early to watch me, so it means the world knowing that they are watching, and that's all the support I needed. I have a very important question for you. Yeah. The karaoke machine tonight, what song are you gonna do? Um, probably Carrie Underwood, Champion, with Ludacris in it. Maya Nelson showed me that song in uh, 2019 World Championships, and I can't get it out of my head, because I am a champion. I was born for this. I was made to win. I love it. In your wildest, in your wildest imaginations, <laughs> did you think you would ever win an Olympic gold medal? Yes. 100% yes. I knew I could do it. I knew it would be hard. I prayed that I could do it in my wildest of dreams. I knew 
it is not just that you won. You were dominant. I mean, you won these matches convincingly. <laughs> Did you surprise yourself at all? I, of course I surprised myself. It's by the grace of God I'm able to even move my feet. Like, I just leave it in his hands, and I pray that all the practice, that the hell that my freaking coaches put me through pays off. And every single time it does, and I get better and better. And it's so weird that there is no cap to the limit that I can do. And I'm, I'm excited to see what what I have next. Last question for you. That American flag around your shoulders looks pretty good. How does that feel to represent your country like this? It feels amazing. I love representing the U.S. I freaking love living there. I love it, <coughs> and I'm so happy I get to represent U.S.A. <laughs> love well, it. You gotta love her. It makes it, you want to watch the Olympics. It, it gives you goosebumps. <clears throat> you know what else she said? She is the second woman from the United States to win Olympic gold in wrestling. The other was a woman named Helen Morales. Uh, she was back in the Olympics this, this year. She did not qualify to go on um, for the Olympic gold. I don't know if she was even in the medal. Um, she, she ended up losing in a freestyle wrestling match. But they asked about, okay, this, you're the second woman, and, and I'm paraphrasing here, but she says, yes, isn't it great? We've had two women to win for the United States. One was black and one was white. Isn't that great? <laughs> I mean, it just it's so refreshing. It it, re, it renews your spirit and it it gives you a, a little bit more faith and perhaps our country isn't totally down the tubes. Here's the multi-million dollar question. Will Nike give her a big fat contract? Like yeah, the you know so, I, the I, social justice warriors like I, Colin I, I, Kaepernick. I, I doubt if she would go with Nike if they offered it to her. Now she might go with Adidas, just because Nike is so much in the camp of the social justice warriors. Um, now she might not be all that familiar with it. I know when you know when, when you're dedicated to a sport like she was dedicated to wrestling, then you you probably don't, aren't even aware of what else is going on in the world. But let me finish Jason Whitlock's editorial because he finishes on a great note. He says, broken families break the spirit. LeBron James and Colin Kaepernick have and or have had no relationship with their biological fathers. We shouldn't be surprised that their view of America is ruled by cynicism and bitterness. Despite their economic riches, Life has been unfair to them. There's no amount of money that can replace the love of a father or a mother. The lack of American pride is a byproduct of the breakdown of the nuclear family. Minshaw Stock has modeled the behavior of her parents. She created her own nuclear family. She, she's married to a wrestler from her college. She has an unwavering commitment to her immediate family. She said she's giving her Olympic prize money to her mom so her mom can start a food truck business. Minshaw Stock's parents laid an incredible foundation of support for their kids. That foundation launched a daughter all the way to the Olympics. It was awesome to see Minshaw Stock celebrate God, her dad, her mom, and her country. That used to be commonplace for black athletes before we turned our backs on the family structure God prescribed. Well written, Jason Whitlock. He's been knocking it out of the park. Um, you know, he I think he was, had a contract dispute with Fox Sports or one of the one of the the big people. <laughs> and um, I've always liked his columns. hadn't always agreed with him back in sports in the days, but I always thought they were just wonderfully written. But I think Glenn Beck 
he Glenn Beck saw an opportunity to pick up a big time talent, right. and he's with the Blaze now. But you know something he says about when he starts talking about um, LeBron James and Colin Kaepernick. You know who else I think about? I think about former President Obama. Yeah, former President Obama didn't grow up yeah. with really a strong nuclear family structure. He really didn't grow up a American. Now I'm not saying you know doing the you know the anti. Uh, citizenship thing, but he did not grow up as an American, yeah. so that that's why he you know never uh, he's like he was embarrassed or didn't want to talk about the military when he was president. But, oh yeah, but I, I can draw some parallels to what he just said about those yeah. two athletes. Well there. said, well said. We're gonna take a break. Um, lots to talk about, including Governor Cuomo and uh, the fact that Governor Cuomo's brother Chris on CNN. Last night, it was the lead story. Everybody was talking. Even the the mainstream media was talking about Chris Cuomo didn't even utter a word about it. Stay with us. We'll talk about that and more when we get back. Governor Andrew Cuomo. Unwanted touching. Groping. Grabbing. Kisses. Of their most intimate body parts. Politics is an ugly business. What happens next? She resigned will happen here. Yes. What happens next happens here on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. We'll get to uh, the Gov in just a second. A quick look at your weather forecast tonight. Uh, Showers are beginning to dissipate a little bit. A 40% chance of rain tonight, a low around 67. It's almost nice enough that you can open the window and uh, get a little fresh air out. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow, Thursday, mostly sunny, high near 83, a slight chance of a shower passing by, possibly. Thursday night, mostly clear, low around 67 again. Friday, a chance of showers in the afternoon, a high around 86. So uh, most of the heavy rain is uh, about done, although there were some showers on the way into the studio this afternoon. The New York Attorney General's report on uh, Gov Cuomo alleged sexual harassment that might just be the beginning of the Gov's problems. Several prosecutors in New York have confirmed they're investigating the allegations against the governor for possible criminal cases. Albany County District Attorney David Soros said following the release of Attorney General Letitia James' report, his office is looking into the allegations against Cuomo for possible criminal charges. Here he is on an interview from earlier today with NBC. Cut one. We are conducting our own separate investigation. I think after today's presentation, which here in Albany County, we were uh, witnessing at the same time that the rest of New Yorkers were witnessing, it's pretty clear that uh, we have an obligation here. And, and thus we've reached out to the Attorney General's office seeking uh, all of the evidence upon which they uncovered and relied upon to author their report. The allegations early on certainly led uh, myself and other uh, prosecutors with concurrent jurisdiction to uh, to believe that criminal activity, in fact, had taken place. But we will conduct our own independent investigation. It will be done expeditiously, and we will arrive at those conclusions. These cases are made, um, you know, with cooperation from, from our victims. For any victim that's out there uh, who's watching this, this transmission, uh, please reach out to, to our office, and uh, we will conduct our investigation as discreetly as possible. So that was the uh, DA from Albany County, 
David Soros, but he's not the only DA who's looking into Cuomo. A spokesperson for the Manhattan District Attorney confirmed that they have asked for evidence from the Attorney General's probe related to uh, the incidents that happened in Manhattan. District attorneys in Westchester and Nassau counties have also stated they have requested evidence from the AG's investigation. In total, there were 11 women who came forward with allegations against Cuomo. Nine of them past or present state employees. The claim ranged from accusations of inappropriate comments to non-consensual groping. Investigators for the Attorney General's probe said the claims were heavily corroborated. They said Tuesday they spoke to 179 people who reviewed 74,000 pages of documents. Here's the big question, because you just heard David Soros say, if there's anybody else out there, else out there that has evidence or wants to make a claim, please come forward. My hunch is there's more than just 11 women out there mm, that have yeah. been touched, sniffed. <laughs> Groped, <laughs> yeah. Especially now that um, you know it's it's not a partisan issue. I mean, you've got, I mean, all these people that accuse them of this are are Democrats because yeah. they, they worked yeah. in the yeah. o- worked in his office. So, and now that um, over, overwhelmingly, I mean, you've had the you know president right on down to every representative in New York basically say he should resign. There may be some more people that just say, "Hey, I, I feel more comfortable now that you know." I've got some support. I do know one thing. The good governor's attorney probably bought him a new car yesterday because <laughs> he's going to be pretty busy. Yeah, yeah, you think? You know, it's interesting. You brought up yesterday Cuomo and Brett Kavanaugh. Mm. Did a little investigation, and there was a story uh, just earlier this year, a couple of months ago. I think it was in Western Journal. And Cuomo had no issues with smearing Brett Kavanaugh during his confirmation series. In an official statement on the state's website back when Cuomo was going through the accusations by Christine Blasey Ford, the governor called for Kavanaugh to take a lie detector test, speculated that Blasey Ford had no motive to lie or stretch the truth about the man whose life she and others were trying to upend. Quote, I believe Dr. Ford's testimony was very compelling. Only a political skeptic could find a reason to disbelieve her. <laughs> I mean, it turns out she was, you know, she, she's certifiable. What is her possible motive to lie? In any event, I fear this will just increase the political polarization. Whatever happens, your decision will be tainted for history, and with it the credibility of the Supreme Court, Cuomo said in a statement directed at then-President Donald Trump. Quote, here is one basic fact that badly hurts Judge Kavanaugh. Why won't he take a polygraph test? Ford did. If he does not take a polygraph test, it is the ultimate, he said. The governor said it is one of the most powerful pieces of evidence that seriously damages his credibility and the credibility of his Republican supporters, including yourself. No, it doesn't. (laughs) You You can and should ask him to take the test. If he refuses, you should pull the appointment. He added, if you don't insist that Kavanaugh takes the polygraph, it will be further evidence that you're putting political motivation above your constitutional obligation. Do not aid and abet a lie. If I was advising the governor, <clears throat> I would say um, my first phone call would be to Bill Clinton and say, hey, <laughs> Slick Willie, um, I want you and anyone on your staff that's still alive and any attorney that advise you to meet me in Albany <laughs> 
and I want to I want to get some advice. Well, you know, it's interesting about that. You you bring that up, and one of the governor's defenses was the fact. I mean, he, he basically had a two pronged defense when he came out after the report came out. He came out, and he he, he must have known. You know, that's an interesting thing. I just it just popped in my mind. He came out almost immediately after the uh, the report, the 179 page report, and he had a like a 65-page report, and video. Yeah, how about George Bush? Video with George Bush hugging or, or, or someone? Or well, well, here, well, I think that was uh, uh, 9-11. He was up yeah. there. But, but, but consider this. Did, was he privy ahead of time to what was going to be in the report? Oh, you know he was. Well, here's the thing, though. Or what did he know he was guilty? I mean, he had obviously prepared this. For days, if not weeks. I guarantee that AG gave him the report days or weeks ago. Anyway. Prior to the release. So his 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 two-prong defense was, first of all, well, that's just the way I am. I'm Italian. We kiss and hug everybody. <laughs> I'm Italian. And then he goes through and has all kinds of pictures of other people hugging and kissing. Mm. And uh, so, I mean, is... is Part of his strategy, uh, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to take you all down with me. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> did you hear Tucker Carlson last night? I didn't see him. He, he was talking. He was talking about the fact that Cuomo had a picture up there of him kissing Al Gore. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Tucker Carlson. I wouldn't brag about that. Tucker Carlson said, "Now we don't have any evidence that he actually put his hand up." Al Gore's shirt to feel his man boobs. <laughs> oh my! Yeah. Uh, so anyway, he's trying to take everybody else down with him. Interestingly, today, and this wasn't Peter Ducey, this is somebody from the New York Post. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki today was asked, "Okay, we know all about the governor Cuomo and the accusations against him." This New York Post reporter comes out and says. Well, wait a minute. Joe Biden has been accused of skinny dipping in front of female Secret Service agents. His former Senate aide, Tara Reid, accused him in 1993 of sexual assault. The Post noted that Saki, at her daily press briefing, um, she was asked that her response was uh, very measured. This is cut three, Clark. This is Jen Saki and the New York Post reporter from earlier today. In a follow-up to the report on Governor Cuomo's sexual harassment, a lot of men in politics have been accused of sexual harassment. Uh, President Biden was accused by female Secret Service agents of skinny dipping in front of them, offending them, according to former Washington Post reporter Ronald Kessler, who is an author as well. Uh, his former Senate aide, Tara Reid, accused him of sexual assault. Uh, the Washington Post and the New York Times have published multiple accounts of women who objected to the way President Biden touched them. Uh, should there be an independent investigation of allegations into the president as there was into Governor Cuomo? Well, first I would say um, the president has been clear and outspoken about the importance of women uh, being uh, respected and having their voices heard and being allowed to tell their stories and people treating them with respect. That has long been his policy, continues to be his policy. Uh, that, those were, that was heavily litigated during the campaign. I understand you're eager to come back to it, uh, but I don't have anything further other than to repeat that he has called for uh, the governor to resign. Swim butt naked. 
Yeah, he likes his, <laughs> he likes his skinny dip. That's a disgusting. <laughs> yeah, that's disgusting even to think about. Mm. Um, Gives corn pop. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait. But Saki says that was heavy, heavily litigated during the campaign. It was ignored. May, may I give you the <laughs> definition of litigate? I'll circle back on that one. To carry on a legal contest by judicial process, only states can litigate before this court or to decide and settle in a court of law. Really? So it was litigated. Yeah, you know, that over the years— I mean, very modern times. I mean, that that term is kind of used well, in political bro- circles, pretty broadly. Yeah. You know, we we've we've litigated this issue yeah. just because you say you discussed it. Yeah, okay. been, oh, it was decided in yeah. the court of public opinion. Don't, you know, but but the press was hands off yeah, on the Tara Reid story. It. They, they never did touch not it. touch it. If it wasn't for programs like this and Fox News and a few uh, conservative websites, nobody would know about it. No, Mm-mm. and she has never. Just like uh, Juanita Broadwork. I mean, when are they ever going to seriously run? And again, if you, this was a, a, accused against, well, remember the accusations against Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. They pandle, pounded Donald Trump on those accusations. And uh, as, as far as I know, nothing ever came of them. Um, I mean, the, the whole um, Stormy Daniels thing, but that was, was apparently wasn't... Uh, a, we don't know if it happened. B, if it if it did, it, it wasn't uh, a situation where there were unwanted advances. And, and like I always, you know, talk to my Democrat friends when they start talking about, well, if you don't talk about morals and start talking about Donald Trump and all his, you know, well documented affairs over the years, but you know, let's don't we're, we're talking about a private citizen. Let's talk about why he's been in office, and you know, Biden's been in office his entire adult life. And so is um, so is uh, Governor Cuomo. I mean, he's, well, and we're talking about stuff that just happened a year ago. Yeah, he's a dog. He just is. I mean, <laughs> editorial comments by Benny Hardy. But his brother oh didn't my. mention it last night. You know, didn't uh, bring it up. Didn't bring it up. Frito uh, said that we're all COVID here. Yeah, all COVID all the time. We do have some COVID stories too that we want to get to. Um, first, though, Corey Bush. She's a. Uh, Black mm-hmm. representative from the St. Louis area. Mm-hmm. Is she a part of the squad? I think she is. She is part of the squad. So she's she's a lib. And um, she was there when the McCloskey couple were out on their porch of their house. Yeah, she was with the protesters. She was with the protesters. That broke in illegally. And but she wasn't yeah. charged, and the charges were dropped with the protesters. So she was with them. I, this this is anyway to, to, to get to the story. I mean, we'll, we'll have our commentary, but to get to the story, she is pleplectic. Is that the right word? Uh, hmm. Apoplectic. I went to East, apoplectic. I went to East Carolina. <laughs> You're getting deep there. <laughs> she is upset. She is going nuts over the fact that the governor of Missouri has pardoned Mark McCloskey and his wife because they were out on their property with their guns telling protesters who had trespassed on their property to get off. Now, why this couple was even charged is beyond the pale. I have no clue as to why they're even being charged. I mean, I've asked myself over and over again, and the only reason they're being charged is because they're conservative, they're white, 
and you have an African-American prosecutor there that wanted to come after them. She sided with the BLM who were protesting and trespassing. But in terms of if this had gone before, and they ended up pleading to some misdemeanor mm-hmm. to get her off their back. And what, they had turning their guns or something? or yeah. You know, and here, you know, this, is, this is another example of, okay, do you want to fight this and be tied up and have it cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars while the government pays for the prosecution, you have to pay for the defense out of your pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talk about unfair and these people being uh, wrongly accused of something that they had every right to do. Uh, and I, I'm not an attorney, and I don't know what the, the Missouri-St. Louis laws are, but the fact, I mean, common sense would tell you they had the right to bear arms and they had a right to protect their private property. And these people were trespassing on there. They defended themselves. They told the people to get off. And yet they were the ones that were accused and charged. And as you just said, Corey Bush and the other BLM Antifa protesters were not charged, or they were, and they, then they were dropped. But she is, she is going crazy, and she has come out and said that Mark and Patricia McCloskey will get theirs, as, mm-hmm. as will the governor of uh, Missouri. He will get hers. As, he will get his as well. You know who the number one contributor to that DA's campaign and uh, George Soros George probably. Soros. No, you're right, George no. Soros. No. Well, you know he he was he's been supporting all of the so why is he nut jobs. yeah why is he interested in a district attorney race in St. Louis, Missouri? By the way, the um, and that's not the only place. The deputy press secretary. I just noticed this on the news last night. The deputy press secretary, the number two person behind um, Saki, Jen Saki. Mm-hmm. She used to be one of the co-directors for one of the George Soros organizations. What's the, what's the big organization uh, that George Soros uh, operates? Uh, is that the Tides? No, 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 it's the other one. But uh, she was the, the, the her name is uh, Jean-Pierre. I can't mm-hmm. remember what her first name is. Um, MoveOn.org. She was one of the co-directors uh, yeah, of MoveOn.org. Right. Mm-hmm. And 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 Joe Biden picks her as a deputy press secretary. Yeah. That pretty much tells you all you need to know. He didn't pick her. He was told. Yeah, probably <laughs> so. Know, he can't pick his nose. Well, he can pick his chin. He, <laughs> he, can, he can pick the egg off his chin during a inter, during a, a news conference. But yeah, uh, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, and, and having a little snack in between. All right, we got to take another time out. Stay with us. A lot more to talk about, and I've got more audio from Ron DeSantis. It is, I think. A uh, pre-presidential speech. We'll have uh, that when we get back. Drive. The drive home should be a delight. This is Tom Lamprecht with more news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in 18 minutes before the top of the hour. WNCT is reporting that uh, East Carolina today began requiring face coverings for all indoor spaces on campus for students, faculty, staff, and visitors, regardless of vaccination status. Masks are not required for a few circumstances, like if you're alone 
in your private room, in your residence hall, uh, if you're in an enclosed indoor space where only household members are present, uh, if you're eating or drinking, good, good call there. Uh, <laughs> face coverings are not required for outdoor spaces. Uh, face coverings will continue to be required on uh, the buses. Vaccinated faculty may remove their masks while teaching as long as there is three to six feet of uh, distance. Mask or no mask, what school systems in ECU have decided, ECU officials said, these updated requirements apply to all faculty, staff, students, and campus visitors and will remain in effect until further notice. Now, that's just for masks. As far as I know, East Carolina, as an individual university, has not come out on a vaccination policy. It's coming, I think. Well, First in <clears throat> Freedom ran an interesting article today. And uh, they get this, I think it was through John Sanders of the John Locke Foundation. Uh, they're saying the University of North Carolina system is exploring whether to require vaccination for students and staff to attend one of the system's 16 colleges or universities, which would include East Carolina. While some private universities such as Duke have already issued a mandate, the legality of publicly funded schools doing the same happens to be a little bit more tricky as in it's blatantly unconstitutional and unethical, according to John Sanders from the John Locke Foundation. Sanders wrote a note to UNC letting them know in relatively clear terms that a public university forced vac vaccination policy violates constitutional rights and medical ethics. Quote, the News and Observer editors have lately been pounding the drum to force COVID-19 vaccinations in the UNC system with ideologically sympathetic UNC faculty in agreement. And, of course, Governor Cooper is actively urging such behavior in all state and local government offices and agencies. Recently, George Mason University, a public university in Virginia, announced it would require all students, faculty, and staff to get vaccinated and to share verification of their vaccination status in order to work, study, and live on campus. In response, the group New Civil Liberties Alliance sent a letter warning about the policy on behalf of law professor Todd Zw uh, Zwickney. Zwicky, I guess is how you pronounce it, Zwicky. The New Civil Liberties Alliance released the following statement. George Mason University has no legitimate legal interest in forcing Professor Zwicky into undergoing a medical procedure that's not necessarily necessary to protect him or the university community. Professor Zwick, Zwicky has immunity as robust and durable as that achieved through vaccination, while at the same time he faces the real risk of adverse effects from the COVID-19 vaccines as we have established through the declaration of three of the world's most qualified scientists to address the matter. That is a statement from the New Civil Liberties Alliance uh, Litigation Council, Jenny Yance. Uh, and they had three well-known doctors write up quite extensive um, addendums to this report that was sent to uh, George Mason. And all, all three of the doctors Basically, they weren't knocking the vaccine, but they were saying, A, the vaccine does have side effects, and B, this professor has had, the, uh, has had COVID, and he has every bit of the immunities that uh, everyone who has had the vaccine, and perhaps even more, you know, that's, that's up for debate. I guess we'll only know, a, a time will tell. But 
it is it is still so curious to me that none of these government officials, other than, as you're going to hear in a minute, Ron DeSantis mentioned it, but none of these government officials, on the left anyway, ever, ever talks about natural immunities. What is it that they are so emphatic that you got to have the vaccination even though you have the antibodies? Can I answer that, Professor Lambert? Yes, please. There's no money in it. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no money in being naturally immune I, to I anybody. Think, I think that's part <laughs> of it. I also think it is the authoritarian zealousness of the left. If they can make you do this, what else can they make you do? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the idea that we're going to slowly erode your rights and your liberties— I think that's part of the. I think that's part of the motivation. Well, it's refreshing to know that a professor from um, named after George Mason talks about personal freedoms. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a little unusual in the university environment now. Yeah, and uh, what did I say he was a professor of? He was. Uh, mm, I don't remember. Just George Mason. Um, you know, you would hope. Uh, Law professor. Law professor. Law well, professor. Maybe, you maybe you step there teaching the Constitution. That's where uh, – is Jonathan Turley at George Mason? The Fox I think, News I think he's at George – wasn't he at George Washington? Maybe. Maybe. He's at George Washington. Um, WESH was covering Ron DeSantis. He was supposed to be doing a press conference on the Florida economy. But as he came to the podium, he could not help himself. And, of course, you know – the mainstream media and Joe Biden and Jen Psaki have been slamming Florida because they've had a recent uptick in COVID cases. And they, they cite Florida and Texas. Well, my gosh, Texas, of course they're going to have an uptick. They've got the open borders there with people pouring across. This is what Ron DeSantis said about COVID and about Joe Biden. And basically he said, hey, Joe, put a lock in it. Joe Biden has taken to himself to try to single out Florida over COVID. Uh, this is a guy who ran for president saying he was going to, quote, shut down the virus. And what has he done? He's imported more virus from around the world by having a wide open southern border. You have hundreds of thousands of people pouring across every month. And it's not just from Mexico. In fact, it's rarely from Mexico. You have over 100 different countries where people are pouring through, they're then farming them out all across our communities across this country, putting them on planes. Do you think they're being worried about COVID for that? Of course not. So he's facilitating, who knows what new variants are out there, but I can tell you whatever variants are around the world, they're coming across that Southern border. And so he's not shutting down the virus, he's helping to facilitate it in our country. His solution is he wants to have the government force kindergartners to wear masks in school. He doesn't believe the parents should have a say in that. Well, I can tell you in Florida, the parents are gonna be the ones in charge of that decision. And one of the major uh, medical people in his administration just recently told parents that they should be wearing masks at home when they're around their own children. This is insane. Joe Biden also believes that vaccination should be mandated by force of government and that you should have to show vaccination status 
to be able to participate in society. Now, Florida, we're very proud of our seniors first strategy. You look at the mortality in nursing homes among seniors, it's declined dramatically. But we said from the beginning, we're going to make it available for all but we're not going to mandate it on anybody. That's ultimately an individual's choice to be able to do it. Biden, he rejects science because he denies the fact that people that recover from COVID have long-lasting immunity. And that's been proven time and time again, and the data is very clear. So his vision is, just like in New York City, restaurants should ban young kids from being able to go in because they're not eligible for vaccination and law-abiding citizens have to produce proof of their medical records just to participate in everyday society. He wants that, but yet if you want to vote, he thinks it's too much of a burden to show a picture ID when you're voting. So no voter ID, but have to show your medical papers just to be able to live an everyday life. We can either have a free society or we can have a biomedical security state. And I can tell you, Florida, we're a free state. Joe Biden suggests that if you don't do lockdown policies, then you should, quote, get out of the way. But let me tell you this. If you're coming after the rights of parents in Florida, I'm standing in your way. I'm Ron DeSantis from earlier today. And uh, by the way, I, I edited out the applause. The applause went on for like 20 seconds. And so I, I shortened that up because it was take up too too much time. I think that is a uh, it, that's a great speech. You made a great point during the break as far as Ron and oh, his rhetoric. Yeah, yeah, I mean, DeSantis is, is Trump-like in the sense that he will not stand by and be quiet like a lot of Republicans in the past when they're attacked by Democrats. But he attacks on policy, not he won't yeah. get personal. Yeah, and um, he, doesn't, so, he doesn't call him crazy old Joe. Yeah, he just, crazy Uncle Joe, slow. He just Joe, talks about the crazy policies. Joe. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we got to take another time out. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is your Drive at 5, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. I know all the fruits and nuts are out in California. Campus Reform is reporting California may be the first state to require public schools to provide free menstrual products for men. Mm. Yeah. California recognizes that access to menstrual products is a basic human right. It is vital for ensuring the health, dignity, and full participation of all Californians in public life. So says the text of this proposed law, AB 367. The bill continues, California has an interest in promoting gender equality and equity, not only for women and girls, but also for transgender men, non-binary and gender and non-conforming people. So you morons out in California can spend, I mean, they're talking about spending a million dollars for products for men during their periods. The Californication continues. <laughs> Good grief. Hey, we got to run. Thanks for being with us. We'll do it again tomorrow. We'll play a little political trivia. I promise we'll get to it tomorrow. We missed it last week. See you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.